everyone. It's time for the Image Doctors Photography Podcast, where we talk about photography and tech and art. And I'm Jason O'Dell. And I'm Rick Walker. And I keep making that stuff up. So one, one day I'll get a script. But if, if, I, we, were to be, if we were to if have we script writers, it wouldn't be very scripts, good. We wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> this time on Deep Thoughts with Rick and Jason. <laughs> but speaking of art, I am doing something fun, which you're aware of, which is oh yeah, the drawing class. Yeah, 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 yeah. You told yeah. me about that. You had yeah. your first one, right? Yeah, yeah. It was it was on Tuesday. It was fun. It's there's a local art school that is affiliated with Colorado College, and um, it, it was just a I I've, it, it's supposed to be on sketchbook drawing with um, ink. And I've always admired people who can do that. You know, let's say go travel somewhere and they'll do sketches of locations and stuff. And I've just always thought that was really, really cool. Plus, as you recall, Indiana Jones' father had a sketchbook oh, right. for the Holy Grail. So, the, you know, the fact that Sean Connery is doing that, that makes it cool, too. But uh, no, it's just fun. It's it's a different form of creativity. And now I'm thinking about old SNL. Suck it, Trebek. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right, that was a great one. Uh, anyway, it's uh, fun. Will Ferrell at his prime. Anyway. Since I had not done anything like that since eight, eighth grade, oh, I was yeah. a little bit worried, but it was fine. It was good. Nice group. You know, that's funny because I haven't had a formal art or photography class since I was a freshman in high school and actually I was in junior high, mm -hmm. I had an art class in ninth grade, which was drawing and maybe some painting. It was fun. Mm -hmm. I was by no means the best in the class. I was, I wasn't the worst, but it was mm -hmm. just, we had some pretty talent. You can find, you can see real quick who has talent oh, yeah. uh, in those classes. Cause it's like, Whoa, okay. And then there's what, what she's doing. <laughs> you know, I, okay. I'll just go back in my corner and I hide. had to explain to the, teacher that my current level of drawing expertise revolved around stick figures with a nice drawing of the sun in the upper corner <laughs> yeah i sometimes you know i i i think it's a good thing i think um well because all art is related yeah and and the themes that we do as you know and 98 percent of my photography is completely self-taught i don't go and read the books on the you know on stuff i just kind yeah. of do it and 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 I learned a lot by participating in online discussion forums back in the early 2000s before mm -hmm. things got weird. Um, but, or, or, or when things were just starting to get weird, I suppose, but that was where I mostly learned digital. And then by going on workshops and seeing other people and just having that exposure, like we've talked to, that's mostly where I've learned stuff. And along the way, I've, I've just sort of figured things out organically, I guess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's uh but you know what? It's interesting before we get into our topic. I mean, Colorado Springs has a very long history of art, um, mm -hmm. painting school. We had a very famous school, um, you know, academies. Uh, I mean, the Bemis school is what you're using going yes. to, right? I mean, yeah. they've been around for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but there was that other earlier one, right? That was affiliated or is this the same one I'm thinking about? Um, cause the, Pikes Peak Fine Arts Center is home to a lot of this stuff. And, um, and I think they're all affiliated, but I mean, it goes back yeah, a the, long the way. Colorado back Springs to the Fine Arts Center is definitely affiliated with Bemis. Okay. And I, I and can Colorado never... College. They're, it's they're, a trio kind of. Right. And that's very cool. And, and there's mm -hmm. some legacy stuff 
of the Colorado Springs artists from the early, early 1900s that are, you know, kind of on par with stuff you might've seen from like Georgia O'Keeffe and things like that in New Mexico. So it's very cool. Anyway, um, I would step back down memory lane into history. Yeah. We should do more of that. But, um, today we're going to try not to bore you. Um, we've got sort of two things we're going to talk about. Um, we want to answer a listener question. Um, and we'll dive into that second, but first there's, there's actually been a, a pretty good slew of product announcements this week in the land of photography. And uh, we just want to hit them really quickly with some initial thoughts. Cause obviously we haven't, uh, we don't own or haven't tested any of this stuff. So um, let's see. Uh, the first one came out that I saw was Nikon Z lenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's two of them. The, the long, awaited 85 Mm -hmm. 1.2 it's been on the roadmap for a really long time um with a price tag to match now we did get our hands on the 50 millimeter 1.2 once upon a time and we tested it which is a big big beefy thing for Mm -hmm. for reasons that remain (laughs) a mystery to us um and we're going to talk about these a little bit more in the second half of our our show today about things like portrait lenses these very fast aperture lenses um this thing's and, a and that second half will be um, inexpensive options, mm-hmm. which can include, you know, dirt simple manual focus lenses that are coming out now predominantly from China, and it will include adapted lenses, which was really the the uh, listener question. So we're right. we're going to kind of fudge the um, our answer to the question and broaden it a little bit. Right. But yeah, so- the eighty five one two that it's a little bit big, but as would be expected i mean it's there's a canon version that i think you have and i do it's a little bit bigger in length but size and weight are about the same the diameter and the weight is very similar these are for whatever region that for whatever reason the nikon is like a an inch longer or so right but i will say 85 12s can yield some beautiful portrait results that, that is certainly the case with the Canon, mm-hmm. and I would expect it to be the case with the Nikon. The only thing is, they're big and heavy. Right. You These are lenses for dedicated portrait photographers, wedding photographers, mm-hmm. um, where that shallow depth of field really helps you. Um, is also with things like... Um, you know, those uh, engagement pictures where you've got actually full body length, but still mm-hmm. very shallow depth of field. So mm-hmm. you've, you've stepped way back from your subject and you just shoot it wide open. Um, but then that just presumably your th- this lens costs, I think, $2,700, close to 28 almost $2,799. Not inexpensive, not for the week of heart pocketbook wise. Um but it could be a good rental lens mm-hmm. for people, you know, do some nice portraits of your significant other mm-hmm. or um, rest of your family. I mean, um, that's reasonable. Fast lenses like that, you know, the glass component themselves just gets big. No, by I've made this comment before. You wouldn't want to use an, a lens like that wide open for a corporate headshot. Right. <laughs> this is but a very creative look. It, for what I would call more informal portraits, especially of someone you know well and you, you're going to get a little bit closer. It can be a beautiful look. It really can be. 
Yeah. And then they came out with a pancake lens, kind of like the right. polar opposite, a 26 millimeter 2.8. And this one wasn't really a, on the roadmap until recently. They, they mentioned it, but it wasn't oh, one okay. that I had seen coming. Like, yeah. like the 85.12 we've known about for probably mm-hmm. a long, you know, like two years or something. We just known they're going to kind of yeah. do these. Um, gone are the 1.4 lenses, it seems. So Nikon's got a 1.8 line of primes and a 1.2 line of primes. And then they have these little ones, which sometimes slide into the two F2 or F2.8 category. And this one's a 2.8, right? Um, but, oh my gosh, it's tiny. Yeah. So it's a pancake lens. So it would probably look a little bit silly on the Z9. Um, fine for everything else but on a z7 z6 or even a z50 um you've got a nice little lens there a fast lens 26 millimeters that's that's different we don't always see that 28 is more common but Um, here's the thing it like with the phones that we both own mm -hmm. you know which are iphone iphones the normal quote normal middle focal length is about a 26 millimeter equivalent. So I think one of the things they're doing here is having something that feels familiar to a cell phone crowd and is very compact and light. And that's not a dumb thing to do. And I suspect both lenses are very good optically. There's yeah. just nothing coming out these days that's bad from anyone. No, I mean, I think that's... Um, um... Let me just look something up really fast here. I wanted to see what the on this twenty six. I hadn't really looked at its its um, uh, specs, but it's got this thing called an all element focusing system, whatever that cool. means. That uh, means it's it sounds to me like it means it's a completely old fashioned focusing mount where everything moves. Yeah, which is not bad. But it uses means. the stepping motor, which is quiet and fast. Those are those lenses tend to be nice. Um, surprisingly, it's not as inexpensive as I might've thought it's, it's listed at a, just under 500 us. That's not, yeah. that's not a cheap lens, um, but it is teeny. Yeah. And if you put, if you did put it onto a, um, you know, a body like the Z 50, which is a DX body or the ZFC, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you would get um, the equivalent of a 39. So there's a 40 millimeter equivalent, which is a nice street, kind of shooting range yeah. too so that's it's a nice general purpose lens right focal length equivalent so would it go in my bag i don't know i have the 28 and i have the 40 and i don't and since i'm not using a really small body although i i could put it on my my z6 i suppose it's an interesting idea it would be an interesting idea to maybe pair with the 40 so it's a little wider than the 28 um, that I have already, uh, certainly tiny. So it, you don't pay a penalty of putting it in your bag when they have these pancake lenses. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's nice to see some some companies getting some smaller ones because you know to me the Z lenses have always been kind of big. Um, yeah, I mean sometimes even bigger than they need to be big. So actually, that's not a bad segue into the next topic in a slightly roundabout way. Um, there was also an announcement of a new Sigma 50 millimeter 1.4, you know, one of those missing 1.4s that they're going to make in a Sony FE mount and the L mount, you know, which is a mount shared by Leica and Panasonic. And um, 
the Sigma is coming out with some really good. Is lenses. this the art lens, Rick? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm just pulling it up now to just to see. Mm -hmm. um, it's got a different, it's DG, but it also says DN. Yeah. Um, so there, there's been an art lens for Nikon F mount for some time. This is for the uh, Sony lens, and they'll also have it for Leica mount, right? Yeah. Here's the difference. Um, the one you're referring to in the Nikon mount was made in other mounts too, mm -hmm. but it was an S it was a DSLR lens. Right. Right. This is a true adapt. mirrorless lens. This is right. a native one. And right. so it's smaller, lighter, um, probably a little bit better, even optically. And well, it, it weighs two pounds. <laughs> yeah. It's not lighter, but that I don't know. Light. That's a chunk. That That's, that's a, that's a significant chunk but it's probably really it's 850 dollars uh, in the sony mount um and it, although the the f mount nikon version is is a hundred dollars more than that for whatever reason but let me just let me just see what what this compares out to rick so the the uh the f mount version is uh which was the previous which comes in other mounts too you can get in canon mount and 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 other ones mm -hmm. so that that one is actually bigger canon ef mount not yeah. rf okay right yeah. um that's that's the big that and it was 815 grams or it is a whereas this one is the newest lens is 660 grams so in relative comparison it is smaller and lighter yeah um, 72 and not, millimeter and filter and and instead of a 77 millimeter yeah. filters but but these are these are also kind of high end um you know, lenses that are designed to be sharp, wide open, produce great bokeh. And, uh, and I, I own several Sigma lenses in the Sony mount. Some of their really little tiny things that are beautifully made metal aperture rings stuff. I have the Sigma 8514, also a DGDN mm -hmm. lens. Awesome lens. Awesome. Yeah, Sigma is um, making some good stuff. They really are. Yeah, I think all the third parties are really up their game. I, I just say, yeah, I just one brief comment. Both Canon and Nikon need to <laughs> wake up. Right. There's rumors been They've swirling been around for a long time. that at least Sigma was going to announce lenses for Nikon Z, but I don't know what happened with that. Um, yeah. I would love to see it because I've been a fan yeah. of Sigma since the early 2000s. Or, yeah, uh, one of my first. <laughs> Their out of focus lenses, lenses was a Sigma. Yeah, their current lenses are really, really good. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. They've just gotten better. Yeah, but, the quality uh, is fully up there with manufacturer lenses. They're just alternatives and different right. focal lengths, different apertures, different configurations, all sorts of stuff. Okay. Anyway, third. And there's lens. a Sony 514 that's coming out soon that's as good. well. Nice. Yeah. So third thing that was announced was mm -hmm. a new macro lens for the OM Olympus system, the OM system, and it's branded OM system. And that is a 90 millimeter 3.5 macro. And that sounds like it's going to be wonderful for Olympus users because it's the equivalent of a 180 
millimeter, which is a classic macro focal length, that 180 to 200. Especially uh, for insects. Right. For if you like to do macro photos of close-ups of, of, of living things, this is a great way to do it because it gives you that extra working distance. So 90 millimeters on Olympus, it's a four-thirds mount. So that's a 2X crop from full frame or 35 millimeters um it looks to be stunning and it it will go um it will go let me see it's got some really cool um some idea uh, stuff in there um i think it'll go to double life size you know two to one which on a four-thirds camera looks the same compositionally you know what you get in the mm -hmm. frame is four to one on full frame so crazy right. close. So it offers two to one native magnification, but on that smaller sensor, you're factoring in a doubling in terms yeah, of so angle you're, of you're view. You're talking about taking shots of a spider's eye filling up most of the frame, you know? Crazy right. things. And it's uh, it's got weather sealing, all the coatings, uh, rounded diaphragm blades. Uh, that's very, very nice. Uh, it's not cheap. $1,500 us, yeah. at least when I'm looking at B and H, that's what they're listening it for. It's not out yet, but it, it is there. And that just adds to, um, the stable of uh, good macro lenses for but one lenses. thing I will say, and feel free to comment too. I find macros of that focal length. Excellent for bugs. Mm -hmm. and small animals and stuff, but a bit inconvenient for flowers and things like that. I just you're too far away. Too far away. Yeah, it makes that it makes that, it a little bit that hard. Makes sense. You know, I've seen both, and and I, and we both have in the past used the Z mount uh, 105, which is probably one of the most stellar sharp lenses I've mm -hmm. ever touched. I mean, just that mm -hmm. good. And I have one disappointment with that lens and that it doesn't accept any kind of teleconverter because yeah. when i was using my previous f mount one i would often throw a 1.4 tc on because not only does that get you a little bit more working distance but it also increases your your um your magnification so you have sure. effectively 1.4 uh to one life size mm -hmm. Um, I don't usually shoot flowers life size, but that little extra working distance could be very helpful with, mm -hmm. with insects and stuff, because mm -hmm. you'll find yourself, especially if you're using a lens hood, that your lens hood starts getting into the subject with, when you get really close. Uh, and if you're using artificial lighting or even a diffuser right. panel, it just it gives get, you a little bit more room. It, it is, it is a nice thing to have. So that's, okay. that's something that, um, that I will look into um, later. Um, but uh, Olympus users will be very happy with that one if they're into macro stuff. Um, then Canon came out with two new uh, mirrorless cameras in the RF mount, an R8 and an R50. And the R8 is full frame. The R50 is APS-C. Mm -hmm. Very um, nicely priced. I think the R8 is what, like fifteen hundred dollars? Yeah, like fourteen ninety nine. I want to say. Yeah, and the R50 is really cheap. Not cheap. Remember, Stan will get mad Inexpensive. at you. That's Inexpensive. That's true. Yeah, for me they mean the same, but I recognize. I that. know. Everyone I know. Lose that. We're not talking about the quality, although you know these are definitely built as lightweight, entry level type cameras. They're not necessarily 
you know, they're, they're touted as being light. That's a feature. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're going to, you can expect more plastic. In they the- do not have Ibis, which is a bummer. However, big, however, both of these things have full subject detection. Yeah. Across all the different subjects too. Yeah. animals, birds, trains, planes, train, right. automobiles, right. Face eye, all that good stuff. That yeah. is so if, cause if you were going to look right now, um, and you know the specs are out there. This is new cameras, so we're just relying on what what the internet has told us about these. We don't have have these cameras to test, but um, these the the R8 really competes with the. I mean, it would price wise compete with the um, something like the Nikon Z5, for example, mm-hmm. or some of the Sony's right um, that mm-hmm. are in that in that full frame, but, but more, I don't want to call it entry level, but that lower end full frame, less professional. And at first glance, I I thought that the Z5 might compete fairly well because it is less expensive than this one. And Um, has Ibis. It has Ibis, which is a, which is, which is is great, which is very good. It, It means you can use unstabilized lenses and get stabilization. And and it means that in theory, those lenses could be designed op- better optically, you know, again, in theory, because uh, you don't have the moving elements for the, mm-hmm. for the vibration reduction, right? Sure. On the other hand, um, this is a camera that will shoot, what is it, like up to 40 frames a second in JPEG, but 30 frames per second in RAW. It, it uses, um, it has subject detection. Um, that makes it a very compelling. And uh, it even has that. I can't remember what term Canon is using for it, but oh, the Olympus buffering? calls it pro capture. It's it's the you buffering. Know, yeah, it's pre capture buffering. Yeah, and then it'll save fifteen frames. So this is a feature that I really and want to see in more cameras. Right, it does it in RAW. Now apparently it saves it to a unique RAW format that right now it won't be read by anything, but uh, oops, other than Canon's own software. Um, but my my hunch is that that will get decoded in time, sure. and, and you'll see it ripple into um, the other the other applications. But this idea where you can be half pressing your shutter, continuously buffering. And then when you see a moment of peak action, you press the shutter and it will take frames after that. The problem is I don't think anybody's got the kind of hand-eye coordination. You either have to sort of pre-shoot and hope that the action occurs during your burst mm-hmm. or, or, or be really, really good. And there were guys who could get pretty good like that with timing baseballs to hit the bat, you know, and get the bat on ball shot. But that's that takes a lot of practice and a little bit of luck. Just this to clarify amazing. on that on that file format is it CRA? no i um it's something else i i i can't remember what it was okay. called um it's like it, it's a it's not CRA. it's something different um so i'd have to look yeah. um but we'll, we'll you know that's a good one for our um facebook page we'll look it up and and have someone tell us that we should have been paying attention to. Yeah. So didn't think about that before. No. Um, well, it says C raw. So yeah. maybe that is what it is. And that's just the equivalent of the format that you like in the, the Z9. compressed, a compressed raw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So yeah. The Z nine has this feature. And that, that is definitely supported with their other cameras and mm-hmm. every okay, application so we'll I that. can think of. Um, but but yeah, these these are 
I mean, this to me is um, a clear shot. You're saying, hey, we can offer a budget-friendly camera with the same focus tech that is in our flagships um, or, or yeah. similar. You know, it probably doesn't work nearly as, you know, it, there, there's probably some real-world limitations. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. All right. Well, hey, well, don't choke off your, your coffee. Yeah. No, no, no. no. All right. Um, but here's what I would will say. I've used Canon's autofocus system in the R5, um, you know, which I still have and still use and like a lot. It's damn good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These so, are going to be damn good autofocus cameras because it uses the dual pixel technology right. with their updated subject detection. It's going to work well. Now, one thing we should point out. Because, mm -hmm. like I said, you know, on spec, these are, you know, clearly not professional uh, type of cameras. Um, there are, there's one little minor thing, and it's it it's not a big deal depending on how you shoot. But they use, they don't have full um, uh, mechanical shutters. They use electronic shutters, and they have a rear curtain, uh, or no, a front curtain. They're, they're always in electronic front curtain mode. If you're right. using the mechanical electronic shutter. front curtain, and that can create some yeah. weirdness. And if you use them in the, the, the upside of electronic shutter, the full electronic shutter is that, um, you can shoot really, really crazy fast shutter speeds. However, these are not stacked sensor designs. So you're, you're going to potentially run into some rolling shutter conditions. If you were shooting moving objects at very high shutter speeds certain kinds of moving. certain things right yeah. if you've Other ever shot show if you've ever shot um, a, an image uh with your phone of uh, propellers in an aircraft and you see the weirdness <laughs> or or just even uh, here's another thing that you might not even notice um and Rick, you've, you, you know, we both fly out of Denver airport a lot, but in the Denver mm -hmm. airport, it uses those led displays, the red to say at the gate, you know, this flight is going to, to Minneapolis or wherever you might be mm -hmm. going. And you take a picture with your phone and you see that it's actually only caught some of it because it's right. actually scanning. It's like a scan right. line problem. And exactly. so, so that's, that's an issue you have with, with very fast um, electronic shutters is that they might not capture everything. You know, it's like, you know, or you might get artifacts or weirdness. So you just have to be aware of that. Um, but in reality, it's probably not a big deal for most people. No, I mean, no. it's, so this is really, really, um, really, really strong. And, you know, and the sends, pricing on the R50 is shocking. Yeah. You can get a two lens kit for about a thousand dollars. Yeah. That's with incredible. A, on a and camera one comment that, I will say is having yeah. used cameras with the subject detection feature now for several years, it's not just for higher end wildlife photographers at all. It's these are super useful features once you get the hang of them. And just for general photography, there are many situations where they're um, just a nice benefit. Go to the zoo, take pictures of your pets, your family and friends, um, you know, well, like the air show that we went to. All sorts of things. You know, unsolicited opinion here, though, if if you're making the case of making some some technology to get people to use the big camera instead of the phone. These are the features that are going to sell it. You're going to pick this camera up. You're going to give it to a casual user. Maybe it's your your um, relative, you know, somebody who can who can point it at something, and the camera just finds a subject. There's the face. It focuses. You end up with fewer missed 
shots. You don't have to train someone on say, Oh, well move this little point around and focus on the eye. You know, um, this is, this is important stuff and I'd like to see it in more cameras. No comment for no further comment. Um, (laughs) but let's, let's move on. Um, yeah, because this uh, gets into the second half. We right. we we talked about the eighty five one two and you know the ability to do very pretty portraits with it and stuff like that. You don't necessarily have to have something with that fast of aperture, even though it is a cool look. But you know, an interesting thing that's happened in the last few years is there there's a raft of of manual focus lenses coming out that work well with mirrorless cameras. Um, they have absolutely no electronics in them, and they're, they're just, just dirt simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I've played around with a few of them. Like there's one I've played with recently, a 90, 90 millimeter 1.25 that I can put on my medium format camera. They're not the best lenses optically, you know, like wide open, they're a little bit soft. But for a lot of portraits, that's actually a pleasing look. Mm-hmm. And if you use focus peaking, with these, you can get by pretty well, right. um, even handheld. So refresh my memory. Tripod. Mm-hmm. What was our listener's question? The question had, he wanted us to talk about adapting manual focuses, focus lenses to Nikon Z cameras, okay. which we actually did as an episode a while right. back. Yeah, it was an early one, but it, it's yeah. one of the nice things about in the day so going back a little ways just to refresh my own memory you know i know we talked about it in the context of certainly when when the nikon z line came out but this is true with all the mirrorless for the most part there weren't a lot of native every single one right there weren't a lot of native mirrorless lenses but there was a ton of lenses available in um dslr mount whatever that might have been and and with the flange distance being being reduced in the mirrorless cameras it was pretty easy to in most cases to adapt lenses uh to work with the mirrorless cameras you could put a you know either using nikon's native z you know f mount adapter or other brand adapters and you could Mm -hmm. do this the tricky thing with all of the adapters we concluded was that the autofocus it doesn't always work that great when you start going smart adapters right when you're going between brands like if you use a nikon f mount lens with the Nikon F mount adapter, it works perfectly as though you're just using it natively. But when you start mixing brands, but the other piece was, and this was nice, is that there's a lot of manual focus lenses out there that can be built very, very inexpensively. Some of them, some of them maybe even built cheaply, (laughs) but, uh, but they can do just fine on mirrorless and you hinted at it. It's because of focus peaking. Mm-hmm. That feature to, alone, and the ability to zoom in yes. the viewfinder with the press of one button, yes, um, which is easier with a tripod than than you know in a still subject than than yeah. you know handheld. But focus peaking for those who aren't familiar with this term is is where the camera shows contrast detection uh, areas of high contrast at edges. With with so they light up edges in the in the viewfinder in the electronic viewfinder, and this works. So what you can see is areas of high contrast, which generally relate to areas that are in focus. Um, and so as you turn the ring, you can actually see the focus uh, zone shifting either into or you know near or away from the camera. It's kind of cool actually. 
but you can use this and and it's an aid to manual focusing that simply did not exist at least in the viewfinder with, with DSLRs yep. it requires some form of live view so so there's a bunch of choices and and you've used some of these lenses like so what are some that you've used that you like um here here's what i would say if you're talking about the 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 chinese lenses like TT Artisans, Seven Artisans, those are two common brands. Um, yeah, they're very cheap. I mean, ridiculously cheap in some cases. Optically, they're comp compromised enough that I wouldn't personally use them a lot. But for portrait use on occasion, gosh, they're fine. Mm -hmm. And some of the others would be fine. I just like the convenience of the other stuff. So right. honestly, that's what I'm go going to use. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we talked in that old podcast about adapting the old Nikon 105 2.5 lens via the FTZ adapter. Yeah, it made me want to buy one now. It's such a damn good lens. <laughs> yeah. It's it, it just ridiculously good. Right. So if someone wanted to take nice portraits on a budget, I'd say go buy one of those. It doesn't matter what brand of camera you put it on. You can put it on a right. Sony, a Canon. Right. Now you may have to do some tricks with letting the camera know what the aperture is because you won't get that EXIF data necessarily coming through. You, you won't get it. Right. You, you know, so that that's you have a limitation. Put it in manually, and then it'll say 105, and it won't know right. the aperture. No. But that's okay. Whoops. If the end if the end product is the is the goal here, then then those kinds of lenses work. So older manual focus designs from various manufacturers, especially Nikon lenses tend to be very good. Um, the one you mentioned happens to be excellent and holds up even today. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, but your, your point about it, if you're using it for portraits, then edge sharpness is not so important. So no. as long as it's sharp in the center and you have decent, uh, decent, uh, pleasing out of focus areas, it could be, could be great. Um, turns out the Nikon that I mentioned is sharp across the frame right. open, <laughs> yeah. down. doesn't freaking matter <laughs> oh, that's cool um but you know as far as adapt you know but but there's there's choices that are coming out and so there's there's some that are far more expensive that are being manufactured to be that um there you have to ask yourself the question what's the benefit of this lens over say the manufacturer's autofocus version um usually the benefit is it's a different aperture or a different focal length it's just a lens you couldn't get in your native uh manufacturer's mount so these these options and especially with mirrorless systems um they're so easy to adapt to different cameras uh, either it's in an either by using an adapter or even sometimes the lens is just manufactured that way they'll just have a uh, amount specific to a type of camera in general those cheap ones i mentioned are beautifully made they mm. really are they're just not fancy optically or or in terms of electronics but in terms of construction quality beautiful that so, one i mentioned for medium format made by tt artisans it's it's a it's it feels like a big leica lens that's what it feels like that's that's cool like i'm just yeah. looking at they have some cine cinematic lenses which is stuff i don't even pretend to play with but from i'm just looked up seven artisans um and uh let's see oh i don't even know where to there's some other manufacturers out there that we've both used samyang and bauer and i think they're 
they're all the same yeah uh, at least all the same factory um um wow yeah i think those are another all... example and and they tend to be built pretty well yeah, i have one they are. as a fisheye for my siga for yeah. my uh, fuji camera yeah. well this is all very yeah so there's lots of options out there if you just do a quick search for um you know manual focus lenses um fish eyes are great candidates for you know the simple mechanical things you don't really need autofocus so much on a fisheye <laughs> so right i mean here's a new release <laughs> it's for fuji mount okay for x mount mm -hmm. it's a seven artist it's an 18 millimeter f 6.3 okay oh my it's a pancake lens okay it's sure. it's it's like literally this tiny thing it it so it's not a fast lens but i mean whatever it um Oh, they don't have any weight specs on it, unfortunately. It's it's just freakishly small, though. Uh, it's sixty dollars. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I mean, like, that's the point. You yeah, know? you're 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 getting into the realm of um, lens cap prices. <laughs> Almost. Right. right. Here's a ten millimeter fisheye for Canon RF mount, two hundred and fifty six dollars. I can guarantee you that the Canon fisheye is way more expensive than that. And and these usually aren't bad, you know. They're just not. No, and um, guess what? Canon doesn't make a fisheye for the RF mount, so you're going to have to adapt something no matter what. Right. That that 18 millimeter pancake also comes in Z mount uh, for the APS-C cameras. So like mm -hmm. a little Z50, you could put on a. Uh, it's the equivalent of a 36 millimeter street lens. It's just not going to be wide open fast. It's just. Uh, but you know what? Who cares? Have fun, right? We're all about having fun. We're also all about out of time. Yes, we are. So unfortunately, uh, we have to conclude today's discussion, but we want to thank our listeners again for giving us those topic suggestions. We always love those. And they're at our Facebook page. Um, over on facebook.com slash image doctors is a great way to find us. Uh, we do appreciate it. Um, anything else you want to sum up, Rick, that I might've forgotten, screwed up, whatever. No, just one little teaser for our listeners. You have one of the Nikon slash Tamron 17 to 28 two eights that you just got. Oh yeah. I just got it. And yeah. so stuff coming up in the future on that. Yeah. But I'll have some more fair to say so far, it looks like a nice lens. Um, it's actually excellent as far as I can tell, yeah. but I yeah. gotta, I gotta do my more controlled testing, yeah. but yeah. everything I've taken with it so far, which has been like, you know, out the door test shots, mm -hmm. trying not to freeze in the winter have been extremely sharp. Uh, yeah. very nice. So, very cool. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to us. We'll be back again next week with some more photography talk and until next time, happy shooting. All right. Bye-bye.